Hi, my name's Paul. And I'm Rod. As well as a deep love for all things travel, combined we have more than 60 years' experience in the travel industry. We've both held senior roles and travelled the globe. From some of the most remote parts of Asia, we've driven coast to coast in the USA. We've navigated the rivers of the world in dugout canoes and onboard luxury cruises and eaten our way around the best that Europe has to offer. We've made loads of friends along the way who are experts on their part of the world. And in this series, we'll share their inside knowledge to help you create the best travel experiences. So, make sure your seatbelt is fastened tight and low and your loose items are placed in the seat pocket in front of you. Welcome aboard. This is Seat 56A. Today in Seat 56A, we have with us Paul Cooper, who's an expert on the New South Wales South Coast. And for this episode, we're going to be travelling with Paul from Sydney down to Eden and uncovering some of New South Wales' spectacular coastal experiences. What else have we got, Paul? We'll also be sharing what being regular has to do with an iconic Kiama landmark, what Crocodile Dundee has to do with a tricky par three on a South Coast golf course, and my regrets for having spoiled a family holiday by using the theme music to the movie Jaws to traumatise my younger brother. Poor David. Coop, Sydney to Eden is part of the spectacular Sydney to Melbourne coastal drive, and today we're going to unpack that section of the journey as a four-day trip by car. We'll be stopping at places like Wollongong, Kiama, Jervis Bay, Batemans Bay, and on to Marimbula. It's about 400 k's in all, finishing at Eden, which is near the New South Wales-Victorian border. And so I have to ask the obvious question, what makes this stretch of coastline such a popular journey for visitors to undertake today? Uh, Rod, for me, it's uh, it, it's so many reasons, and I, and I guess the main one is the variety and proximity of things that you can see and do in what is a totally unspoilt feel along the New South Wales South Coast. Uh, what you see out of the car, really, I mean, that's what road trips are all about, the places you stop and experience along the way, the national parks, the lookouts, the cheese shops, quaint villages, totally unspoiled beaches. I always feel that when you're doing a road trip, particularly down the South Coast in New South Wales, no sooner do you get in the car and buckle up, there's another national park or another lookout or another cheese shop or something something great to stop and explore. So Coops, we'll get on the road from Sydney and head south. You're recommending that we point towards Jarvis Bay, some 192 kilometres of driving that we'll do today to get there where we'll overnight. But just under an hour outside of Sydney is Stanwell Tops and the amazing Seacliff Bridge, which is part of an alternative route south getting off the main freeway um, along the old coast road. We're talking about things like hang gliders, great coastal communities and scenery. Tell us why you love this diversion off the motorway to get to Wollongong. Well, there's so many great ways you can take, and I guess it's really like that for the entire drive. There's many parts that's got an absolute coastal road or an inland road, which is usually the main highway. And coming out of Sydney, I always like to start with the Royal National Park. Now, not only is this the world's second oldest national park, but it's right on Sydney's doorstep. 
The Bundina drive to Little Marley Beach walk is a favourite of mine and it's about eight kilometres return, so a backpack, water and of course your camera are essential items. Uh, Paul, you mentioned Bald Hill, which, uh, which it's another great stop there. That's where you see the hang gliders and so forth and that's just as you exit the Royal National Park when you're heading south and the views over the south coast from this point taking in the Sea Cliff Bridge are just awesome. I was there one day watching the hang gliders. They get all of their gear on and they just basically start walking down the hill and a gentle breeze lifts them up and you see them float out over the ocean. It's an amazing experience. Good place to have binoculars for the whale watching as well. And uh, when you get down into the uh, the lower areas, back down onto the coast in Wollongong, I always enjoy a walk along the Blue Mile. Now, this is something you can Google. There's great beach views, coffee shops and cafes scattered along this walk and that can make it a lot longer to do than it would normally take. Yeah, look, and I couldn't agree with you more about uh, Stanwell Tops and the hang gliders, particularly for families that are making this trip. It's a great stop to, to uh, you know, get the kids excited. As you say, it's an amazing thing to see these guys just literally walk towards the edge and lift off into the sky. And uh, as you say, that, that cliff drive, the coastal drive uh, just down at the bottom of that hill there, um, along that sea bridge there is uh, is quite amazing. It's I've done it a few times, and it really is uh, a bit of a trick of the senses getting along that part of the uh, the coast there. Yeah, it certainly is, particularly when you're going over the Sea Cliff Bridge. And after you cross the bridge, there are areas you can park and then walk back over the footpath to have a closer look. And you can see where the highway actually used to go uh, in the side of the cliff. There's still parts of the old road there, but of course, with landslides and so forth, a lot of it disappeared. So rather than trying to cut back into that rock to rebuild the road, they just put the road out over the water. It's a fabulous sight. It is stunning. So about another 30 k's down the road from their coops in the Kiama region is the town of Jamboree, which has got some wonderful old colonial churches and 19th century buildings. What activities can we get to in the Jamboree area? What would you recommend for us? Well, this is another area where you actually get off the main road and go into some of these beautiful villages and towns like the Jamboree uh, Township and also uh, Kangaroo Valley. Um, the drive itself is quite spectacular. And once you're off the main road, it's basically like going for a drive out in the country. You've got great attractions there too, like the Illawarra Fly and Treetop Walk, which uh, has this t- uh, tower with a spiral staircase going to the top. And the views rival Bald Hill with even greater views of the south coast from high up on this escarpment. Another Another favourite nearby is Fitzroy Falls, where the falls plunge some 80 minutes, uh, 80 minutes, I'll try 80 metres, mm. down to the valley floor. Uh, and uh, I was there once after some significant rainfall, and those those falls, they're just spectacular. No amount of images or photography can do justice. You've really got to be there and see it in, in person. There's also a, a giant water park down there somewhere, isn't there, called Jamboree, is that right? Yeah, that's right. There's a great water park down there, and it's just fantastic uh, activities for the family, especially the, the you know the young kids on a hot day. They really enjoy that, uh, and you can marry that with things like uh, townships like Kangaroo Valley, which is another one of the quaint little villages to be discovered along that particular area, where the town dates back to the late 1800s. Yeah, I defy any uh, parent with kids in the back seat of the car to get past that part of. Uh the coast without a visit to uh, the Jamboree water park there. I think there'd be uh, kids opening car doors and bailing out if mum and dad tried to uh, to miss that attraction. Um, but we're going to head now to uh, to Kiama. Um, and one of, of course, the, the, the best known attractions in, in Kiama is the blowhole, which I'm told is actually the world's largest blowhole. And when Mother Nature is putting on a show there, um, it can erupt with such force that it creates a sonic boom. Is, is that right, Coops? 
Yeah, that's exactly right. It, it really is an amazing attraction. I, I grew up in the western suburbs of Sydney and we used to go down to uh, to Huskisson for our summer holidays and we never went past the Kaima blowhole without stopping. Um, as you say, Mother Nature can put on some spectacular events and when you have a combination of the tide and the swell that comes into the cave that uh, creates the hole, um, the force can be so um, uh, pressurised, it actually shoots plumes of water up to 100 feet or you know, around 30, 35 metres into the air. And the sound it makes when that water compresses and then lets go by shooting up, uh, I'd definitely describe that as a sonic boom. It, it really is a spectacular uh, activity to watch. But I think it's important to qualify, Coops, that, uh, that it is Mother Nature. So on a very still day um, where there isn't much swell around, uh, just like uh, Rod and my bows on road trips, it's a bit unreliable in that respect. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, but so if, if the blowhole wasn't working, yeah. I can recommend, holy Rod, you'll remember this, the fish and chip shop on the end of the pier there oh, as yeah. you drive into that car park. It's, uh, that's some of the best fish and chips we've had. Kayam is just such a beautiful location. You can actually get there on the Sydney trains as well. It's the last stop if you're coming down on the train, so you can get off at the Kayama station and wander around the area. But I must say, even when the blowhole's not performing, you still see the occasional puff of water coming up. And if you get to the blowhole and you want to know whether it's active or not, just look at how much water is on the rocks around the blowhole. So while it might be quiet, if you do see water on the rocks around the blowhole, you know that every now and then it is still having a bit of a puff. We're going to head further down the coast now, Coops, towards Jervis Bay. And for those of us who want to stay in a really idyllic location but don't want to pay the earth for it, you were telling me earlier about a little spot called Paperbark Camp. What's that all about? Well, Paperbark Camp is one of my absolute favourites. It's one of the first luxury glamping accommodation places, taking advantage of its location just outside of Huskisson. Now, they've got luxury safari tents, and these are on a, like a, a platform around a metre or so off the ground, and they have a lovely private deck out the front. On the back side of the tent is a, is a bathroom, complete with a bath and a shower, and then inside you've got a, a queen-size bed with luxury sheets, blankets and quilts, and uh, they also have a fine dining restaurant on site. And uh, what, what makes it really affordable, you might look at the price and think, oh, gee, that does seem a bit expensive, but when you combine the fact that there's cycle hire, there's canoes, all included within that package. Uh, it, it really does serve as great value and it's a very different way to experience accommodation in a luxury safari tent. Coops, we're coming into the Shoalhaven region now, in particular Jarvis Bay. Um, some stunning white sandy beaches here, really to rival some of the best beaches um, in Australia or the world for that matter. Um, what are your recommendations for making the most of this area? Uh, the, my main recommendation would be to give it the time that it deserves. Jervis Bay is quite large, uh, large and surrounding the bay is so many great beaches. It doesn't matter where you go around the bay, particularly if you go out on one of the cruises, you can actually see where all the, all the beaches are located. Uh, and, and the water has the most amazing aqua colours in parts where you can clearly see the sandy bottom, even if it's under several metres of water. And then the activities that you can do on Jervis Bay, fishing, boating, stand-up paddling is very popular, and snorkelling are all wonderful pastimes that you can do here by taking in the views and the ambience of the bay. And, of course, you know, the, the many beaches makes it so easy to find that perfect family picnic spot. As you say, it would be a mistake to uh, only give this part of the world one night. It really is a place that uh, if people can budget for it to, to spend 
um, you know, I would personally recommend probably four days, three nights, uh, because as you say, there are a lot of wonderful beaches, great walks. Of course, there's also for those plain perths amongst us, the Naval Air Wing Museum is striking distance from here. Yeah, that's correct. That's on the uh, the southern shores of Jervis Bay. So you drive around through the Jervis Bay township itself, and then start heading back towards the uh, the ocean side, and uh, that's where that's located. Yeah, so definitely for anybody who's interested, particularly in military aircraft, the museum there is a is a great stop. And I know they're uh, constantly restoring uh, historic um, warplanes there. So uh, we uh, we had a, an enjoyable morning there, Rod, uh, on our way south. Most Indeed, recently. yeah, I remember that. Uh, so, Coops, also in that Jervis Bay area, there's some good whale watching and dolphin spotting to be had too, huh? Oh, absolutely. Some of the best in Australia. So not only a resident dolphin population all year round, but during the whale season, particularly when they're migrating south because the mother whales come into the bay with their young calves so they can rest from those strong ocean currents. And right. quite often they'll stay in the bay for quite a few days. Look, I, I want to just tell you briefly about one experience that I remember there, which was just unbelievable. I was on a dolphin watch cruise and the skipper was Matt Cross and he's got such a great knowledge of the bay. And we were going out looking for whales and we found some so Matt sort of cuts the engine and just drifts and floats for a while and this this whale actually came towards the front of the bow of the boat and went underneath it and came up the other side and given the stunning crystal clear waters of Jervis Bay you can see this creature in every detail and I turned around to Matt and I said wow look at the size of that and Matt said well that's the calf. Yeah. <laughs> That's the newborn. <laughs> now, these these newborns are about a quarter or a third of the size of their mums. So by the time they migrate down the south coast, they're even bigger. But then the show didn't finish there because about 50 metres off the bow, mum made an appearance by rolling over the surface of the water and those massive pectoral fins splashing in the water from these humpbacks. Just an amazing sight and a mem- memory that will stay with me for a lifetime. That, that sounds like a must-do. And they're, they're more prevalent in the winter to springtime, the the whales? Yeah, you're looking more at sort of late winter. Um, they're, they're migrating up to Harvey Bay, which is their breeding ground up in okay. Queensland, and then and then later in uh, later in winter and early spring is when they're migrating south again. So you can see them. You know, you, they, they call it the Humpback Highway. You can see them on the coast. You know, right throughout the whole time. But it's that it's that return trip when they're coming into the bay is where you get those really close and glorious whale experiences. Okay, well we're coming to day two now which is our journey from Jervis Bay to Batemans Bay. It's about 140 k's we're going to travel today as we head down towards our overnight at Batemans Bay. Now, for those of us who love our food and wine, there's a must-do en route, and that is Rick Stein's Seafood Restaurant, and it's called Bannisters. So tell us about that. Well, Bannisters is the name of the accommodation. Bannisters have a couple of properties. They've got the accommodation at Molly Mook and also um, one uh, further north at uh, Nelson's Bay. And uh, look, it's a great food and wine experience on the South Coast. And one of the great things about this Rick Stein restaurant, and of course, Rick's that very famous UK chef that many people would know, this particular restaurant, just looking at the menus and looking at how many of the items are sourced locally, particularly seafood and oysters and things of that nature. Now, Molly Mook is only about five minutes north of the town of Ulladulla and to get to uh, Bannister's and the Rick Stein restaurant is less than five minutes drive off the main highway. It's a great location and a great feed. We're arriving now into to Batemans Bay where we'll overnight. Uh, this is also another great place for, uh, for fresh seafood, a big fishing community here. Uh, there's a very good surf beach here and some adventures by kayak. Tell us a bit about the, the kayaking options. 
Oh, the kayak is – this is unbelievable. This is another one of my favourite experiences. This podcast could go for a day, really, if I start talking about all of the all of the favourite experiences in detail. But there's one operator located um, just south of Batemans Bay, actually, at a place called Mossy Point, uh, and it's called Region X Kayak Tours. And they have these wonderful kayak tours where uh, the operator, Josh Waterson, he gets you all safe to start with, with your, you know, with your uh, skin care and your hat and your, um, your flotation devices and so forth. And he has such an amazing knowledge of the area. So he goes out with you and talks about the local marine life, the rock formations, the curry culture, um, and also the local oyster farms in the River Clyde. Some of his great experiences that I've done is the pizza paddle and the latte um, paddle. And the way these work is that once you go over the bridge on Bateman, to Batemans Bay, on the left-hand side, you can see a lot of the restaurants are right on the water. And at the back, they have their own private wharf. So Josh has this arrangement where he can just pull up at the pizza wharf or pull up at the cafe wharf and order latte and cappuccino and pizza and so forth. So you're sitting in your kayak on a magnificently stunning day and you're having this cappuccino or pizza, you know, depending what time of day it is, of course, delivered to you in your kayak. Very <laughs> it's clever. a great experience. Oh, Very it's, clever. It's so good. Then when he goes on the other side of the bridge, that's where the oyster farms are. And Josh has an arrangement with the oyster farmers where he can actually go all around their farms and explain that process on how they these, uh, the Sydney rock oyster is grown in that particular area. And this is something I want to ask you about because this whole area of the New South Wales south coast is really famous for oyster farming and it's often referred to as the oyster coast, in fact, Coops. That's exactly right. Yes, they they grow the Sydney rock oyster mostly, and there's a few. Uh, there's there's a lot of great locations, but there's two I guess I'll highlight. And one is uh, is the Batemans Bay experience. Before you go over the bridge heading south, you turn right, and just a few hundred meters down by the uh, Clyde Riverside, there is a place called the Oyster Shed, and it's absolutely amazing. You know, it's freshly shucked oysters, and you can get them nice and fresh. And they have all of these different sort of small menu items. They are licensed. You can have a drink with your oyster or you can have uh, tea and coffee. And what makes it even more special is just out the front on the water, they have a pontoon for the seaplanes. There's a great seaplane operator there called South Coast Seaplanes. And uh, if you're arriving in the area by seaplane, they pull up right out the front. You can do your oyster experience and then back onto that seaplane again. And I might mention this area of the South Coast is called the Yurubadala region. And Yurubadala is a Koori word, meaning land of many waters. So for the seaplane operator, it's also a land of many runways. And it's a great point to make too, Coops, because I think uh, particularly for Sydney siders, a lot of us would be guilty of just driving through these these towns and not really realising how sophisticated um, the tourism scene is there. As you say, everything from seaplanes, that great kayaking experience, um, there really is a lot for people and families um, or couples um, or even a group of mates to do in this part of the world. There, there certainly is, and these uh, t- these tourism operators, they are just they, they they really are passionate about people and making their experience the best that it can be. So, with the seaplane, for example. People will sometimes contact Tim, who operates the service, and say, look, I'm, I'm planning an engagement. You know, can you do something special? Not a problem, says Tim, and he'll take you right up the Clyde River somewhere to this beautiful private little spot, set, drop you off, set you up with a picnic basket and everything that you need to look after yourself for an hour or two and then disappear and then come back and pick you up, hopefully with uh, engagement rings on the fingers by that stage. But that's just an example of how they sort of go above and beyond to really create those magic experiences. 
There you go, boys. So anybody listening that's planning an engagement, uh, dropping to one knee in the pub car park's really not going to cut it. Uh, <laughs> you know that option's available for you. We're coming up to day three now, which is Bateman's Bay to Marimbula. An easy drive, 175 kilometres today. It is our longest drive, though, uh, of, of this trip, and we're we're heading through to Marimbula, and we're going to be travelling through some of the really beautiful little villages and hamlets along the way in this area. What are some of the highlights, Coops, that we're going to see on our way to Naruma today? Oh, there's a lot of great highlights that you can see um, in this part of the drive. And, of course, yes, it, it is that 170-odd K, but my advice would be leave early in the morning and make sure you allow plenty of stopping time to explore these sorts of experiences. From an Aboriginal perspective, there's a great little walking track called the Binji Binji, and this is one of my favourites. It's located on the south side of Maruya Village, one of the beautiful little towns on the south coast, and it's very clearly signposted from the road. And this track has a great information board in the car park, which tells the story of the Yuin people and the dreamtime stories of Montague Island and Mount Dromontry, or Gulaga and Baranguba, as the ancient language uh, refers to it. Um, and then also, again, just stunning towns and villages and uh, and the rumour itself is just such a postcard picture, perfect place. Yes, and I can certainly attest to that, Coops. Uh, as you know from off, our off-air conversation, uh, this is the place of my childhood holidays. We used to, in those days, it used to take us seven hours out of Sydney. Um, but uh, Naruma is, is a very special place for me. I have lots of fond memories of the, the beach there there's a, a beautiful 1920s uh cinema on the on the high street there as kids we used to love getting up first thing in the morning and going down to meet the trawlers as they they came in and watch them unload their their catch um i remember the cake shop there in the high street a fantastic custard tart i don't know if they're still doing that but that was another fond childhood memory i do remember talking about those trawlers as kids we knew that when those trawlers came in, the sharks used to follow them in through the inlet, through the break wall and, and up to the old wooden trawlers in those days to the wharves. But we used to sneak back down in the afternoons when the fishermen had gone home and climb the masts and, and jump off the uh, the tops of the trawlers into the water. And I remember the year that uh, Jaws, the movie, came out. My cousin and I had gone off the mast first and my younger brother went in after us as we'd scrambled up the uh, the tyres back on board the boat. And as David surfaced, we both stood at the edge of the trawler doing the Jaws theme. T- <laughs> and the poor kid, I think David was probably only about seven or eight, and <laughs> he couldn't get up that tyre. No matter how hard he tried, he was so terrified. But we thought it was hilarious. But, uh, yeah, it is a, a really wonderful part of the world. And a, a question to you, Coops. I know that... Um, the golf course there is a favourite for, for a lot of people. It is a beautiful coastal golf course. Um, of course, it was where that very famous Paul Hogan ad was uh, filmed for, for Winfield Cigarettes, where he uh, he chipped into the water there and finishes up in a in a rowboat looking for his ball with Strop yelling abuse at him from yeah. the, the clifftop. Um, I remember that one. I'd suggest that anybody who was uh, saving a, a game of golf for any part of this journey, this would be one that they should definitely plan a, around a golf on. It is a, a beautiful spot. Yeah, there's so many great golf courses and the ones like the Naruma one that have those wonderful ocean vistas, you know, are certainly worth a round or two. Um, I think the last time I played Naruma, I went, went round in about 32. 
Um, next time I go, I'm going to play the second hole. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, they, they tend to call me to play golf when they want to cultivate the course, you know. So, Very good. Uh, that, that, that's probably enough for my golfing, st- golfing skills. But look, also in Naruma, um, it's just the, the town itself is just so stunning. When you're coming down, before you cross the bridge, there's so many little bridges that you'll cross at these various towns and villages down the south coast. But be- just before you come down the hill and cross the bridge, turn left. There's a little park there that leads to a stunning Boardwalk, a boardwalk that follows the water's edge all the way around. It's just beautiful. And then on the other side of the bridge where you've got the lake inlet, some great restaurants like Quarter Deck, which has a wharf. And guess what's at the back of the wharf? I should say at the back of yeah, at the back of the restaurant, I should say, is a wharf yes. where the seaplane pulls up. So ah. you can call in there for the seaplane for lunch. And so, you know, one of the great things you can do when you're mentioning spending three or four days in Jervis Bay, for example, you can spend three or four days around this particular area as well and use the seaplanes as as your transportation up and down the coast and get those aerial views and those little unique experiences in between. So there's so many different ways that you can enjoy the New South Wales South Coast. Yeah, doing it by seaplane is really going to give you a different perspective on the coastline that you're going to get from on the ground. Absolutely, yeah. The the, the views up there are just stunning. And uh, I've been in a seaplane quite a few times now and they can fly out over Montague Island into the River Clyde, into the Naruma Lake area. There's so many great spots that you can see. So it's not just the flight of the seaplane on its own. It's the experiences that you can involve in your own itinerary. And because they're such a small business, you can talk to Tim and Taylor make that Mm. itinerary. You mentioned Montague Island there. Um, in my day uh, down there as a family, we um, you couldn't go out onto Montague Island, but we knew there was a seal colony out there. But uh, they tell me there's some really unique eco-accommodation out there now. Is that right? Yeah, there certainly is. It's the old lighthouse uh, keeper's quarters. There's a couple of buildings out there and they're those magnificent sort of like um, uh, stone cladded buildings, if you like, with the 17 foot high ceilings. I'm not sure what that is on the new scale, but remember it from the old scale because we're talking the age back then. Um, Beautiful windows all around up on the hill. You can sit on the deck and see the whales go past and the seal colony, it's sort of on the side of the island closer to Naruma as you're going across. And there's a few uh, tour boat operators that you can do a dive experience or a snorkeling experience with the uh, with the seals as well or also incorporate a tour to Montagu Island itself stunning location indigenous tourism is uh, is gaining some traction in this part of the world as well the UN retreat in Naruma which uh, is uh, something that people really should consider incorporating into their holiday in fact I caught up with Dwayne from UN retreat to understand a bit more about that experience they can have a, uh, you know, a, a sort of more of a boutique uh, bush cabin experience. Uh, you know, we use a few of the local providers. We've got about three different providers. They can uh, have a, uh, a bell tent accommodation, which we have, as you can see there. Um, so, you know, they can go into more of a, I suppose, it, I'm a bit careful about glamping, but more high-end camping, I would say, where you have mm-hmm. still have your facilities and still be very comfortable. Um, but it's really focused around nature-based experiences is what we try um, to achieve in our, in our on-country experiences. Both our options, we've done a lot of work around over 10 years and we've divided them both up now into two separate on-country experiences. One is the Gulliga National Park guided day walk and that uh, you know, takes off and starts from uh, the historic Tilba and um, or Tilba Tilba, Windy Windy uh, place and that involves uh, probably around seven to eight hours on the National Park. It, it is uh, probably more geared towards you know the more experienced bushwalker, spiritual seeker, moderately fit uh, visitor, but you don't have to be, you know, mega fit to do that experience. We still do and can and have done for a long time cater for people's needs to get up on top of the uh, saddle of, of Gulligan National Park, where we 
um, can you know get people up to the summit um, and and let them walk through that experience. So they still need to do a little bit of walking. Um, the second experience is a lot more gentler drive uh, driving experience where we get out and we do a little bit of walking around the sites of the Jirungunj uh, of our Jirungunj country, which. Um, goes in, you know, Mystery Bay, Tilbury again, uh, and then we cross over into, in and around Wallaga Lake, uh, the spiritual heartbeat of the Jirungunj people, and then finishes up down at Bermagui on the big canoe. So um, that's probably one of the bigger differences. Uh, the same product as such, you know, two, two nights accommodation, um, you know, your meals, your two dinners, uh, your two breakfasts, and your, and your pack lunch for the day. So basically from arrival uh, on day one to exit on the morning of day three, uh, yeah, you're often on, on, on the trot onto the next destination. So that's been working really well um, in terms of people travelling from, you know, Sydney to Melbourne or Melbourne to Sydney. I'd really appreciate your time. It sounds, even just talking to you off air, it's clear that you bring um, some amazing insights and, and, and great knowledge that uh, um, that you've learnt from, from your ancestors as well. So uh, I, I know it would be an amazing insight for people who uh, want to add those two days in, in this part of the world. Thanks so much for your time, Dwayne. Yeah, appreciate it, mate. Hope to see you and the listeners sometime soon, eh? Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. I'm just about to switch on the in-flight entertainment. A quick recommendation, though, from everyone here on the flight deck. Tune into seat 56A to get all the insider tips you need on your next vacation. Seat 56A, best travel podcast ever. Excuse me, sir. Passengers can't be using the PA system. Please return to your seat immediately. Well, that would be seat 56A, of course. Right, that's it. You're coming in cuffs. Shouldn't we go for a drink before you break out the cuffs? I mean, I don't even know your name. Become a travel insider and subscribe to seat 56A today. All right, well, we're continuing on from Naruma Coops and we're going to be heading through some amazing little towns and villages. Can you just give us a couple of highlights and a bit of a taste for what we're going to see on our way through to Marimbula from Naruma? Yeah, sure, Rod. The uh, the whole south coast is dotted with quaint little towns and villages like Mogo and Kangaroo Valley we spoke about before and Berry, of course, which we didn't really give much to, much of a mention to, but it's just a gorgeous little township. Um, but 15 minutes after the rumour is a little town of central Tilba and just next to that is the town of Tilba Tilba. Uh, it's just off the highway and it's at the foot of Mount Dromedary and it's literally five to 600 metres of shops either side of the road. Locally made arts and crafts, wood turners, jewellery stores, hats and leather goods. There's a cheese shop down the bottom of the hill and as soon as you walk in the door, that cheesy aroma just overwhelms you and they have great tastings and so forth there. And of course, the Dromedary Hotel that sits high on the hill overlooking the town with the classic um, um, meal, you know, like pub, uh, counter meals and lunches and dinners and so forth. Another famous little thing about Tilba that you might not know is just on the uh, the other side of Tilba after you drive through the township is where the uh, Australian location was for the River Cottage uh, yes. um, TV series. Yep. And so, it's no mistake that they chose that part of the world because uh, as good as it looks during that series, when you see this part of the world in real life, it does not disappoint. Those um, rock outcrops, uh, dairy country, it just uh, the greens and the, the blue skies in the background, it's, it's really a beautiful part of the world. And, and you mentioned the, the Tilba Tilba town. I recall, um, don't they have like timber boardwalks there? I mean, it is really a very historic, very small, but a very historic precinct. 
Yes, it is. It's very small, and they've got some beautiful gardens there as well, like the Foxglove Gardens. And uh, and right next to where River Cottage was filmed is a, is a great accommodation property called the Brin. It's got beautiful uh, beautiful accommodation and views and lookouts. And you were talking about those, you know, rolling green hills and so forth. In my little kit of camera gear, I have a drone. And the last time I was there, I got the uh, I went to the Brin and I got permission to get the drone up. And when you're looking at the village of Tilba and all of that surrounding area from the drone, it really is magnificent. Further south, you can take a coastal road through Bermagui or Tathra, or you can stay on the main road and go through Cabago and Bega as you make your way down to Marimbula. And I'd highly recommend doing this as a circle drive because that way you can take in both options. Now, these are all a part of an area called the beautiful Sapphire Coast with many fine restaurants and cafes, ocean and bay beaches and the clearest waterways you'll ever see. They've got an aquarium down in Marimbula. There's cruise operators for more whale watching experiences or fishing charters and the friendly locals who just love showing off their little place of paradise and, of course, sharing their local secrets as well. You'd really be selling yourself short if you didn't uh, incorporate that circle drive into your, your trip. It's really, really worth it. Coops, we're coming to the end of the New South Wales part of our Sydney to Melbourne coastal journey today. We're spending today in the Eden area. Eden being quite a bustling deep water port um, in Australia's early colonial days, uh, there's a lot of history here for people to discover from uh, both a colonial and an Indigenous perspective. Uh, there certainly is a lot of history in the area and it's very well mapped out. You can get all of that uh, information locally uh, and see firsthand where they've got uh, some displays along Twofold Bay that tell you about, you know, how they used to use the uh, the waterways there for the ships that used to come up and down. And, of course, we're talking wooden boats here most of the time that would come into, the, come into these waterways to get away from those treacherous ocean currents when they were really strong. And, and all that history is mapped out as you walk around that area. When you drive into... Eden, you can go straight through the main town and if you follow the road to the very end, you come to this stunning lookout over Twofold Bay and it's like a peninsula where you've almost got 360 degree views uh, of the water except for the land, you know, immediately behind you. Um, and the water is so deep that cruise liners today uh, can come in and stop here as they regularly do. The area also has a rich whaling history and the Eden Killua Whale Museum is a great exhibition and features the skeleton of Old Tom. Have you heard about Old Tom? That's something I don't know about. Well, Old Tom was actually a killer whale and locally famous for assisting the whalers back in the day when we used to do that horrible thing um, with their catch. Of course, um, this is all way back in history and these beautiful creatures are fully protected today, but the whole story of Old Tom and his skeleton is on display in that Eden Killer Whale Museum. On the way down, there's some other local secrets which you can't overlook, including, well, there's Snug Cove in, in Eden, which is a great little area with beautiful restaurants and great dining and so forth. But you also pass through the Ben Boyd National Park, Green Cape, which is another peninsula with a lighthouse and just magnificent views over the ocean. And, and it's only like 20 minutes off the highway. And there's many walking tracks and trails around the bay as well. So we're coming towards the end of our little four-day journey here, our sojourn from Sydney down to Eden Coops. But is there something, is there one thing that you'd like to leave with our listeners for this particular uh, episode that they really need to make sure they incorporate on this journey? Yeah, well, look, my number one tip for the whole drive would be ask the locals. If you're checking out of your accommodation in the morning 
and you go up to your host and say, look, what's what's three things I really must do before I go into the next area? Their local knowledge is amazing. And every time I do the trip, I still do that. Now, I've done it many, many times, but I still say, what is it I haven't seen yet? What is it I should go and explore? And I've seen some remarkable places simply by asking the locals for their advice. That's great advice. Well, we'll continue our journey from Eden and go all the way through to Melbourne in our next episode. Uh, If you haven't done so already, just visit Seat 56A's podcast and you can subscribe for free for all of our episodes. Coops, thank you so much again for your time today. It's been wonderful listening uh, to the journey uh, through your eyes. Absolute pleasure, Rod and Paul, and thanks so much for having me. (laughs) 